This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This week, MMWR published reports on unintentional firearm deaths among children and teens, suicide rates by industry, occupation, and sex, and more. Let's take a look at this week's headlines. First, firearms used in unintentional firearm deaths among children and teens were often stored both loaded and unlocked. Overall, children most often died when the shooter was playing with or showing the firearm to others. Second, a CDC study finds suicide rates vary by industry, occupation, and sex. Employers can play a vital role in preventing suicide by integrating suicide prevention strategies and training into the workplace. Third, although sexual contact was the primary mode of transmission in the 2022 MPOX outbreak, limited, non-sexual transmission also occurred. Finally, lead screening in young children in Chicago is not back to pre-pandemic levels. Welcome, I'm Charlotte Kent, Editor-in-Chief of CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Thanks for joining me for MMWR's weekly briefing for the week of December 11th. In the United States, unintentional injury is a leading cause of death among children and teens. Firearms are a leading method of injury. For the first report, CDC examined unintentional firearm deaths among children and teens in the U.S. from 2003 to 2021. Two-thirds of unintentional firearm deaths occurred when the shooter was playing with a firearm or showing the firearm to others. Firearms used in unintentional deaths were often stored both unlocked and loaded. Unlocked firearms were most commonly accessed from a nightstand or other sleeping areas. Unintentional firearm deaths among children and teens are preventable. Putting a firearm out of sight or out of reach is not safe storage and not enough to prevent use by children. This report's findings underscore the importance of policymakers, pediatricians, healthcare professionals, and other partners promoting secure firearm storage. In 2021, nearly 38,000 working-age people in the U.S. died by suicide. This is 33% higher than it was two decades ago. For the second report, CDC analyzed suicide deaths by industry, occupation, and sex to further guide suicide prevention strategies. Major industry groups with the highest suicide rates included mining, construction, arts, entertainment, and recreation, and agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting. Major occupation groups with higher suicide rates included construction and extraction, farming, fishing, and forestry, personal care and service, installation, maintenance, and repair, and arts, design, entertainment, sports, and media. The highest suicide rates by sex and major occupation group were among men in construction and extraction and women in installation, maintenance, and repair. Workplaces can be important settings for suicide prevention by integrating recommended programs, practices, and training into existing policies. Resources are available to address well-being in the workplace. These include CDC's critical steps your workplace can take today to prevent suicide, and the NIOSH Total Worker Health Resources. 
During the 2022 multinational Mpox outbreak, 94% of patients reported exposure through sexual or other intimate contact. Currently, little is known about non-sexual Mpox transmission. For the third report, Investigators examined the number of people in Tennessee and the District of Columbia who developed symptoms after non-sexual close contact with a person with Mpox. Mpox transmission to non-sexual close contacts was found to be limited, but possible. Among more than 600 people with this type of contact, 10 experienced Mpox signs and symptoms within 21 days of exposure. To help prevent further spread of the disease, Non-sexual close contacts should watch for symptoms of Mpox for 21 days from the date of last exposure and see a healthcare provider if they have new or unexplained rash or other Mpox symptoms. Early childhood lead exposure can damage the brain and nervous system, slow growth and development, and cause hearing and speech problems. Screening for elevated blood lead levels is essential for routine care of young children. At the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, substantial disruptions to routine preventive care occurred. For the last report, public health officials in Chicago analyzed lead testing in young children before the COVID-19 pandemic, at the onset of the pandemic, and in 2022. Lead testing improved in 2021 following a decrease at the onset of the pandemic, but was still not back to pre-pandemic levels in 2022. This indicates a gap in testing and risk for continued lead exposure in children. Communities in Chicago with the highest lead levels during 2010 through 2018 were most affected by pandemic-related decreases in testing. Pandemic-related changes in testing might have increased long-standing health inequities. It's important that pediatricians and other clinicians who care for young children use every clinic visit as an opportunity to ensure up-to-date lead screening and testing, if indicated. Parents should talk to their child's clinician about whether their child needs to be tested for lead. That's all for this briefing. Thank you for joining us. We will be off for a few weeks during the holidays, but we'll return in the new year. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to MMWR at cdc.gov MMWR to stay up to date on the latest scientific information. Stay safe and stay well. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.